Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nothing beats terminal parking at Melbourne Airport. Book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Oh, I'm absolutely loaded this morning. It's a very, very good morning to you. It's Super Bowl Sunday or Monday morning for us. So we're going to check in with Jared Waitley, who's going to call all the action live. Have just got a glimpse of his commentary position and it is unbelievable. That's part of our McCafe menu today there, our official coffee partner. The Buck Stops here is back. Hawthorne star forward Mitch Lewis. Sammy Edmund is back with all the latest footy news. No shortage of that. Questions without notice. And most importantly, your calls on 1300 736 736. Joining me is the Collingwood champion, the Brownlow medalist, the Norm Smith medalist, the Australian Football Hall of Famer, and arguably Collingwood's greatest ever footballer, and one of the brightest minds in football, Nathan Buckley. Bucks, welcome back. Good morning. G'day, Kane. How are you, mate? Well, not as good as you, because you looked like you had the best off-season of all time. Yeah, Am I right? It was. It was, a, it was one for the ages, and we can, we can get to that through the ramble. But I must say, I'm a bit, I'm a bit bummed. I'm a bit flat. Like, this time last year, I was, I was tailgating in the car park at the Glendale Arena in Arizona, just about to go and watch the Super Bowl. And this year, I've got to satisfy myself with, <laughs> with uh, just breaking the duck for 2024 with you on the radio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice consolation prize. Yeah. Just sitting, nope. sitting alongside of me. What the the experience have been like? I don't know. This Vegas one, and um, we've checked. Yeah, in next Jared level. It have to be, wouldn't it? Feel, feels like it. Well, Jared's the one to ask because he's, uh, and we will do that at uh, between seven and, and eight. But yeah, he's he's been to quite a few, and and I. It was a bucket list item for me, and I'm sure that yeah, there's plenty of Aussies, and it just seems to me that you know, elite sport at any level cuts through Australian sort of society. So there'll be plenty of Aussies that'll find their way to Super Bowl parties this morning, um, and they'll be starting a long way before kickoff at 10:30. Um, but and I'll be one of them. But it's it is it's an it's an amazing. Um, event as we know and they do it really well the the uh, the yanks and they do it better and better and, and we've we've learned a lot from it as well yeah if it, I mean, it just feels like it's getting more entrenched in our culture it seems to be getting bigger and bigger here i, I don't know like it's just the, the coverage of it the access that you've got clearly um you know with, with the information that comes across the web now and you just feel like you're more connected than ever but fourteen thousand for a ticket bucks i think is the average Ooh. most expensive super bowl 
ever. And that'll, and he- that'll hedge into the future too. New Orleans the following year. You can't see yeah. it coming backwards when they uh, when they get up there. No, well, the, the, the Taylor Swift aspect of it is is what's is she seeing one, one of the one of the players? Level. Is that <laughs> what about that? What about that? <laughs> what do you mean? You over it or? You're okay with it? Oh, it's huge, isn't it? It's big, yeah. it's just built and built, and the fact that the Chiefs stay in it—I mean, it's oh. it's a Cinderella story. But so she what? She's doing a, a a concert in Tokyo, and and she's flown back, has she? I think she'd be there now. Well, the, was... the the airport is literally—it's about it's about a k or a mile, a mile away from where the uh, private aircrafts land on the um in the mm. airport there. So. She's yeah. arrived. She was there. She arrived from we, Tokyo. We, we should we should we give like five minute updates on what Taylor Swift's doing oh. into the Super Bowl. Uh, are you are you going to a concert in Melbourne? No, or what? no, 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 no. Broads is a massive fan of Taylor Swift. I haven't been yeah. able to swing her a ticket yet. So if anyone's got one going, or they're, or they're <laughs> well, you've not... done your, you've done your job recently. Like you've you've had a good run. It, it's it's take, been take us through it's it. Been Come great. on, I've, I'm, it's been living. A little bit through your Instagram, you seem you had the the big US trip with the boys, which just looked magnificent. Was, was that everything? At, it uh, was, yeah. It was yeah. well. My boys are fifteen and seventeen, and um, so the four of us took it uh, took off over there on New Year's Day. And yeah, it's it's a that was a bucket list, and I, I think that'll be a once in a lifetime. I can't I can't see me getting the boys in that space in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, they grow up so quick, so mm-hmm. for that reason alone that quality time was was huge and to be experiencing things together we we went to a whole heap of sporting events um the, uh, we went, were fortunate to do a helicopter over grand canyon i've been in and out of the grand canyon sort of doing altitude training and being over there with collingwood over the playing days so. um but that was awesome so some of the best parts involved nature I went down to tassie um hiked uh, the bottom of tassie which was which i recommend i'm not ready to leave the america trip yet no no so i i was staying in touch with you through sen socials <laughs> yeah. so you were having a crack at me and my and my gun photo <laughs> that was a bit different like you don't you don't you go to america and you've got to shoot a gun that's that's pretty much what i got to it was the caption Oh yeah, felt cute. Might delete later. Yeah, was, that was the caption. Such, we were, such we were, a boomer. Yeah. We were mock, mocking you about. Uh, well, your it, I was, it was it was about obviously about having something out that people are going to tell me that I should delete. So yes, I'm going to get in front of that. Exactly. Yeah. You rub shoulders with a couple of uh, our sporting um, stars over there. Josh Giddy, you, you ran into. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a connection um, through through Brody, my partner, and um, um. A mate of hers is actually going out with Josh's mum, so there's there's a little bit of a connection. I've met Josh a few times, but yeah, there's he's been a story, hasn't he? Yeah. Obviously, and had to, and, and I think this is where I reckon we're going to talk about this Harley Reid and the and the pressure and the expectation around number one draft picks, and it's sort of a little bit when you're the golden child in a certain sport, and then you go across and you're playing at the top league. Like we we. We've got a fair bit of us that's mm. in Josh as he's taking his journey, but geez, there was a, there was a bit of focus there. I watched a game at the Brooklyn, watched the Thunder play Brooklyn, and they got beaten that night. The Thunder, Did but I booed? couldn't I couldn't believe the booing. But mm. then I spoke to his agent after when after when I was talking to Josh, and he was sort of catching up with the fans, and he said that it, it it's actually mellow compared to where it had been. So it's a it doesn't really matter what people know. It's what they think they mm. know. And the, we, we generally always think the worst before 
we sort of come back a step. And I, I think he's gone through that. I don't know the facts of the matter. Mm. All I know the police have gone through and uh, and sort of said that there's nothing to see here. But we don't even believe that, do we? Yeah. Did did he did he mention at all like that would how he was coping with it all, or was it just more um, shake hands and say no? Nah, no, I'm yeah. I, I think the last thing you want to do personally was add to that. So I just yeah. had a chat. See how's he going? Um, you know, is he enjoying the challenge? Like he was, he's not getting quite as many minutes as he was mm. um, potentially last year, but he's still really effective. And on the night, he. Um, he was really good, but he, he spent a lot of time on the bench. So I think well, it's interesting. You sort of go through this expectation as an individual, but it's got to work for the team. We, we've, we very often sort of ignore some of these realities with, um, with things that are going on, but he's doing well, and, and what a gun. Mm. What a gun he's been and, and right. will be. Let us know your thoughts. How, how are you spending the, the day today? Do you take a day off work? I must admit I, I gave my son the day off school. Bucks, Did you? So he's, he's staying home. Yeah. You yeah. just... He loves it you've, that you've, much. But your your family have, you know, yeah. nearly as entrenched in American sporting <laughs> culture as anyone, mate. You went yeah. over there. You went over there again. Yeah, we did. It was it was great. But it was before Christmas, and um, l- like you, uh, took the boys and was was awesome. Every time you take them, you think this. I don't know. This may be the last time yeah. that he's in year twelve, so maybe working this time next year. So. Who knows? So you make the most of it, but I, we just just love the sport and the culture, and and waking up and the TV shows that are on, the coverage that amplifies the games, um, the passion of the fans. Just uh, it's next level. So so I love it. But he's he's going to stay home, but he's he's been doing some <laughs> podcasting and things like that. So I made sure he can do some work after it. The other two are going. How are you spending your Super Bowl? Are you are you into it or are you over it? Oh four double three. 98, 11, 16. A lot of footy on our agenda as well. The buck stops here is back um, for the first time in 2024, of course, um, which we love. And our SEN broadcast of the Super Bowl with Jared, who we're going to check in with before, uh, will be at 9 a.m. Ben Graham and Larry Fitzgerald Sr. Um, giving you the best coverage. And as I said, I've got a picture of where Jared's broadcasting from. Absolutely uh, magnificent. But you went to Vegas as well, Bucks. Prior to the America trip, right? Yeah, we got across to watch U2. Yeah, so that's at, at the Sphere, what the, awesome. that experience? Yeah, yeah, next level. Because when we were, when we were there in January, we we were going to miss you too. So grabbed a, grabbed a, a couple of economy return tickets and just got there. And um, yeah, it was that was amazing. And I recommended Jared to see it, and he was he was uh, all over it as well. So yeah, it's been a yeah. I've enjoyed this time. It's. When you're not coaching and playing, it's a little, and and obviously when you got the the, the gap in the season um, with the media mm. stuff, it's mm. yeah. I, I took full toll with it. Uh, I did. I did notice with interest, like Sam Mitchell, there was obviously a lot of stories. Apparently, he was. <laughs> my mum was telling me after because she watches Facebook. <laughs> Apparently, Sam Mitchell was in hospital in New York when I was there, and I didn't go visit him. Like, oh, that's, that's, bucks. That's a uh, pull your socks up, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, he had influenza A. My young fella got influenza A in New York as well, and at the end of the first week. And um, yeah, I'm just pulling around. So, mate, you got to you've got to uh, get going. We can't afford yeah. to. It's a travel yeah. day, and he was he was genuinely crook for about two or three days. Actually, going to see a doctor in America doesn't. Um, yeah, take don't leave with that. much cash in there. No, I was gonna. What, what was <laughs> it? Well, I mean, we we're so lucky, and we probably take it for granted. What was it? What was that like? How'd you go about that? Oh, the experience is really good. I mean, but their medical system is yeah, it's it's a free for all. Like you've you've yeah. got to 
you've got to cut an arm or a leg off to um, to go and see the doc and, and get the right um, advice. But yeah, that, that was actually quite effective and efficient. But um, but yeah, they're they're, um, they're doing pretty well there. Five minute, five or ten minute um, timeline. Yeah, yeah, consults. You're in. You're out. Um, it's like a bit of a process line, but yeah, it, it, it was it was effective enough, and, and he and came good. Got him right. Got him right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it was, what a good thing to do. Get in, get in for Wednesday and then go up the top of a mountain, um, and in the middle of a snowstorm. So, so good, was, good parenting. Was the Grand Canyon the helicopter? Was that the highlight, or was it there too many to choose from? Um, no, that was that was it, and it was actually the terrain. Like seeing Hoover Dam on the way over. If you if you any Aussies that get over there, any of the listeners that get over there, it's a it's probably not as it, like it's it's about five hundred bucks per person, which I mm. thought would be more expensive than that to jump on a helicopter for that time. But if you get the chance, I, I think it's well worth it because you, mm. you zone out. It's forty five minutes. You set a head over the strip, and then you get across the terrain, and then you get into the canyon, and then coming back. Like I, I just thought it was it was a bit, it was a great meditative moment to, and I actually realised how small you are in this. Uh, in the scheme of things. So it was um, that was definitely right up there. All right. I have no idea about American football, but being 37 today in Melbourne, I've told my work we're going to go to the pub and watch it, says Simon. Got a great prize giveaway for the caller of the morning. That's a Signet Boost Power Bank valued at $44.95. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. You spoke last year about, you know, not having the coaching bug. Has that solidified it, the off-season that you've had, been able to you never fully switch off because you're thinking about sport and, 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 and footy, but to be able to have that lack of responsibility that you've had and, and worrying about your players and getting them ready for a cutthroat season, does that solidify that feeling? Yeah, well, I I didn't think about it much, Kane. Yeah. Like, it was it was awesome to be able no to, coaching to, be able to live. No, it's the, yeah. as we've spoken about before, 30 years in the game as a player or a coach, um, and yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't miss it at all. It was great just being able to, like, I wasn't just doing what normal people do. I, was, I, I, I felt very fortunate to be able mm, to do mm. what I was able to do and take the boys on. But actually, you're talking about the Super Bowl. We actually had started adjusting our our um, training schedule around the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was going to ask you. We we did something similar just at the back yeah. tail end of my career. Was that we we, we actually player led? Yeah, I think there was yeah. enough of the playing group that were keen and. And and it's the yeah it's the closest thing to an AFL grand like you, you see the pinnacle of any sport and you want to be at the pinnacle of yours so witness it watch it what do you learn from it I think there was something there was enough of our of our playing group that were keen on it there were some that didn't care for yeah. it at all but they don't mind if they've got a morning or a day that that is scheduled in that's yeah it might trained be, earlier yeah we tra- we, we might we, we trained on a Sunday a few times so that you you sort of brought your week forward so that your rest day was actually on the Monday and then had a you know run a breakfast uh, function at the club but I remember that I was in the middle of that evolution where okay well, I just used to think no no it doesn't really matter what else is going in the world we've got to do what we've got to do yep. but then you sort of realize that no no there's some int- there's some things here that you might be missing if you uh, if you don't step back a little some cricket last night. Glenn Maxwell did it again with a 50-ball century against the West uh, Indies in Adelaide. Uh, good crowd. Uh, overlooked magnificent. Strange time, I think, to have a cricket game. Feels like we've sort of moved yeah, on. Yeah, this is footy the, season. From, What's from going on? It <laughs> feels, feels, felt like well, it. But, but what, about, what about later on in March? You, you're sort of yeah. going to have two tests with, uh, with New Zealand. Yeah. 
that overlap the start of the AFL season. The cricket haven't haven't gone longer. We've we've just we're just trying to push them out, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We'll speak a little bit we're about that football. in our sports update and hear some of his highlights. Once again, if you want to have your say, you can do so. And we're up and running for Melbourne Airport Parking. Book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. And don't forget, joining the program, you can text us on the uh, Temper text line. The all-new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress, is here. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop a sports news update for Kiza. Struggling with knee, back or neck pain? Rebuild your strength with a Kiza physio today. And Maxwell on strike. His eye's in now. And he, his oh, eye is oh, falling oh. in. That's another big hit over mid-wicket. Bowling quickly. And oh. it comes off the bat just as quick. That's gone second tier. Bowling left arm loopy orthodox. That was a big fan. He does line him up. And he backhands it, if you like. Reverse sweep. This time he goes high. Does he go long? I think it's going to go over again. It's another six. Maxwell, 90. And he puts one over the top. He's 96. That's a big hit. He knows he's standing. And he slaps it wide of mid-off. That's a boundary. That's 100. He raises his fist, takes the helmet off, waves to the crowd, waves to his teammates. It doesn't get better than that. Nicely done by David Wildey right there. The call from SEN, Glenn Maxwell, breaking all sorts of records. 50-ball century, uh, 12 fours and eight sixes uh, to help the Aussies with a 34-run win in the second T20 at the Adelaide Oval. They claim the series 2-0. Here's Glenn Maxwell on his amazing knock. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, To be fair, I was real focused out there. I was... Pretty calm and just really clear. The whole felt like the whole way through the innings. I made a few mistakes probably early in the innings where I, I felt like I got balls that I could hit for boundaries and sort of didn't quite place them. Probably tried to over overplay the ball a little bit too much. And then once I sort of hit the gaps a couple, of, uh, hit hit a couple out of the middle, I was able to sort of I suppose manipulate the field as much as I possibly could. And um, yeah, I, I just gave myself a really good platform, which is something that I've the recipe, I suppose, I've been trying to uh, give myself as much as I possibly can at international level. Keeps producing, doesn't he, Kano? Yeah. Um, in a bizarre moment during the match, Australia was denied a run-out wicket late in the West Indies innings because they didn't appeal. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fundamental, I would have thought. The series moves to Perth for the third and final test match, uh, or final match, sorry, tomorrow night. Uh, we'll stay with cricket uh, because Australia has clinched the Men's Under-19 Cricket World Cup. I had a caller about this um, on Friday with Kingy. Um, one of the one of the mums of the players or, or grandparents had, had stayed up and watched them get through to the final. They beat Pakistan. So this is great news. What a victory over India. So they finished at 7 for 253 from their 50 overs before rolling India for 174 inside 44 overs. Oliver Peak, that's it. It was a grandmother, Sandra, called in on Friday. There you go. Made another 46 after making 49 um, in in the semifinal to send them through. So Oliver was a late call-up to the side, as Sandra told us, and he's made the most of his opportunities with a couple of big knocks uh, when it has mattered most. So, Sandra, if you're listening, you're probably still sleeping in. Um, but if you are up and with us, give us a call and let us know how you're feeling this morning. There's not uh, not much more uh, pride that comes out of anyone other than your grandmum or your grandfather or your grandmother to watch their grandkid go and make their way in the world. What amazing stuff! That's um, that's 
a, an interesting run of uh, Australia v India at the top level of of cricket. The the, uh, the obviously the World Test Championship final, the World Cup final, um, on their home soil, and now the Under Nineteen World Cup final. They've been good, just good bleeding rivalry. a little. Yeah, nothing better than beating England and India. I, I would have thought so. Well done to to our team. We might actually check in with. A couple of players throughout the week. That'll be good to get them on in the Premier League uh, overnight. Sorry, the results over the weekend. West Ham has gone down to Arsenal 6-0 in a belting. Man United defeated Aston Villa Aston Villa 2-1. Australian basketball legend Lauren Jackson, and hasn't she been a legend for a long period of time, has announced that she won't compete at the Paris Olympics later this year after helping the Opals qualify for the Games over the weekend. Uh, an, an amazing international career. I actually um, heard from one of her um, teammates from her junior days uh, yeah. and just spoke glowingly about her um, during the week. But, yeah, she's been a star for decades. Yeah, one of our best ever, one of our greatest athletes ever. And I, I love the story of her comeback. Um, uh, got herself you know, really fit after debilitating knee uh, pain and, um, the story to get herself back and do what she did in recent times uh, has been an absolute inspiration. So c- congratulations to Lauren. I'm sure this will be the last time and she won't make another comeback, but uh, what a career, one of the best to ever do it. Now, Super Bowl 58, it's just hours away from kickoff. The San Francisco 49ers take on the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to cross to Jared Waitley in the next hour live at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. The, the story of the, I mean... David versus Goliath, really, with the quarterbacks, Bucks. But if you, the, the Brock Purdy situation, last pick in the draft, leading the 49ers to the Super Bowl, there's been all sorts of slander on his game because some in the media just haven't rated what he's doing and they think it's the weapons around him that has led to the success. Part of that, of course, is true. But what he's done is for, it's one of the great sporting stories. It has, and the Mr. Irrelevant being the yeah. last pick in, in the draft and and obviously being third string going into last year as the quarterback and, and doing what so well. What does it say well. about the draft? Like, cause we, we, all, we all, our teams have a story where you've overlooked a player in the draft or you've wasted a top 10 pick on someone that hasn't worked. And then you get this guy, the last pick in the biggest sport in America with all the resources and all the teams that have overlooked him. It's not an exact science, is well, it? Well, getting to the pointy end is, is not easy. Like getting, getting through to the elite competition in any sport is not easy. So if you get there, you've obviously got something to give. There's, the, there's a talent level, there's a drive, there's a desire, motivation. And then you need everyone, even we'll talk about it later, Harley Reid, even a number one draft pick needs a little bit of luck along the way and needs to grow and develop as they go along. And Brock Purdy was able to do that. And, and, you know, we get to these pointy ends and we're able to look at the stories and the, mm. the roads that people have travelled. And his is a little different. But, yes, it does, it does beg the question. I think you know, coaches and I think teams, uh, you know, people that are mentors, they live in, a, in, in the world of possibility. In, in anything can happen if you're prepared to work for it. I think w- over here we sort of live in, a, mm. in more of a world of criticism or like that won't happen or that might not happen. But... I think the beauty of sport lies in these stories because you know we we don't see them as often as we uh, we might otherwise. Yeah, it's fascinating. You, you look at the sort of the New York Jets have got a pick three, I think it was in Zach Wilson, and he's probably not going to be any good. A pick three. Uh, this is yeah. the Jets with all the money, all the resources, the recruiting staff. They mark that pick up, and then you've got someone like a Tom Brady or Brock Purdy doing what they have done 
you know, pick well into the hundreds for for Purdy's case into the three hundreds. So well, it's timing. It's timing as well. Purdy's played thirty. He's had thirty starts for twenty four and six. He's only mm. lost six games that he started. Uh-huh. Now he's got plenty of weapons around him. Yeah, the defense gets the job done. San Fran are on a yeah are on a tear, and McCaffrey's killing them. And they've got a lot of things that have come together. It's not just the quarterback. The quarterback gets mm. a lot of focus, doesn't he? Mm. And he's oh, yeah. coming up against you know the you know it. If Tom Brady's the goat, well then Pat- Patrick Mahomes is going to challenge him. Well then there's Joe Montana if you go back far enough. But <laughs> there's been a few. But yeah, Brock Purdy he stands in good company. Uh, good morning. If you're just waking up to us, Monday the 12th of February, it's Super Bowl day. Bucks is back after an epic off season, which we are all jealous of. But he's fired up and he's ready to go. The buck stops here out of seven o'clock. Jared Waitley's going to join us. The Hawthorne star forward, I'm calling him that now because he's a genuine star. Mitch Lewis will find out what's happening with the Hawthorne Footy Club and Sammy Edmund with all the footy news. Um, And there's a fair bit on the radar as well. If you want to join him, we've got a great prize to give away for those of you who want to contribute to the program. 1-300-736-736. Jake Stringer is always a a fascination of mine. Bucks, I don't think he... He loves the preseason and probably hasn't been built for preseason. <laughs> what makes you think that? In the past, which has been to his detriment, no doubt. But he sat down with our very own Tim Watson. He's uh, a bit of a teaser from Channel 7 News, which is airing tonight. It's hard to talk about yourself. Yeah, it? it is very hard, but I probably wasn't in a state of mind to be comfortable talking with what was going on. Hmm. Well, didn't didn't give us a whole lot. It's a good teaser though. No, you got to um, you got to read into that a little bit. But uh, I re- I reckon um, yeah, once you once you've sort of stamped externally uh, as a player, it's really hard to break out of that. And 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 sometimes we look for the behaviour that reinforces that stamp we give. So Jake String is yeah. an interesting character because he's super talented. Like I, I I I must admit I find it hard when I see a player who is as talented as that. That doesn't does make, my head in bucks. That doesn't make the most of their talent. Like yeah. it's you put him in the Nick Kyrgios sort of category a little bit. You know, you see a guy who could do anything and could be anything, but then that probably brings to light the fact that it's not just your talent that makes a champion. We sort of mm. it's it's the work rate, it's the ability to get your life set. And maybe Jake, it seems, will talk a little bit around that in that interview, but He's um he's it's a bit of a flawed genius, isn't it? But he's still there, and he's still got the chance to to contribute to his team. I still think he's up and going, vital for Essendon. He's he's the one genuine match winner on their list. He's well. Let's talk about some players. I think he's that cream on. I think he's cream on the cake. You, you can't rely on him at all. But no, he can. But he can no, be can't. a but difference he, maker. Yeah. But he's what they don't have. Um, yep. Let's talk about some players that that have been, I guess, tarred with that brush, but changed their whole persona. Like Toby Green, for example. Yep. Like, the way that he's been able to transform him. We all believe in Toby Green now. We're, we're not worried about any brain fades or any hot-headedness on the field or any brain explosions. The All-Australian captain, Jordan Ngoi, you can speak to. Yeah, I mean, and, what, what, and, I, what and I think we've, yeah, we've seen it. I mean, Dane Swan, it's, say, say Swanee, for instance, was a guy that was perceived a certain way, and he probably was that way. I'm not trying to say that he wasn't, but 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 a million blokes could have done it Swanee's way, and only one would have succeeded, <laughs> like the way that he did. And he was ultra consistent when he when the performance was there to be, um, yeah. you know, to, when the level was there to be met. So, 
Yeah, I, I think you can. It's, but it's hard to behave. You like you can't behave your way out of a a label like that without change. You know, mm. without actually changing the way that you you um, approach it, without having great support around you, um, and believing that you're you're capable of taking the step from where you are to where you want to be, or where you you think you're going to make the most out of your ability. But you know, I'm, I'll definitely be listening into that. That'll be. It'll be interesting listening for um, for Essendon fans and everyone, I'm sure. Yep. Stevie Jay's probably another one. Early days of, of his career, the, the six-week ban that he had and then turned himself into one of We love bad boys. Best. Love bad the, boys turning it around, don't we? We we do. I just wonder whether it's um, too late for Jake with the, with issues with his body now and his age. I'm not sure whether the penny has dropped. But anyway, we'll tune in to Channel 7 tonight. There's a lot of Essendon fans that want action. They don't want talk, but feels like he's going to open up and give a pretty good insight into the struggles perhaps that he has faced. Uh, pull your socks up is next. Bucks has already given himself a clip for not visiting Sam Mitchell in a New York Absolutely. hospital when he was there at the same time. one 736 736 Who needs to pull their socks up? We've got a Signet Boost Power Bank up for grabs. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop to the shindig. Pull up your socks. You could have run and intercepted that first goal. I'm so done with this team. So get out there and attempt to do as I ask. If you don't want to defend, grab your bag and walk out. Pull up your socks. For all-day comfort, everyday quality and everyday style, it has to be all-day socks by Underworks. Oh, who needs to pull them up nice and high? Let us know for all-day comfort, everyday quality and everyday style. It has to be all-day socks by Underworks. Good prize to give away for the suggestion of the morning. Uh, the Australian cricket selectors, like, unleash Jake Fraser-McGurk, please. They're like, do we need... I know Warner was good in the first uh, T20 and it was good to see him back, but who would you rather watch? This young 20-year-old sensation against the West Indies, or David Warner, who we've seen before, or Marcus Stoinis. Just just get him in. So it, I'm not the first person to say it. Ricky Ponding being strong on this. Just unleash him. It would have been perfect for him in Adelaide last night. So just a quick pull your socks up for the Aussie selectors in not giving the fans what they want and wheeling out the same old tired lineup bucks. You've already clipped yourself this morning. Is it anyone else you want to? I got, I got clipped for clip? uh, talking about an economy flights over to watch Vegas at the Sphere, <laughs> which is probably fair. So thanks for that. Like, I did see, um, I reckon, I'm going to give a clip, but also a, a bit of a pat on the back as well. I mean, it's, but, but the media teams of respective AFL clubs, I think we're, we're, we're going to go through a boon era for them. Like they've got personalities of their own now. Usually, like football, football departments like wanted to like, and coaches in particular wanted to control a little bit what social media teams do. I'm sensing yeah. that they're a lord of themselves now. Free for all. So you what? You got uh, the one I said. Dimmer's doing lat raises on the phone, <laughs> and then GWS pipe. We would have. He should be. He should be lifting his contract. It'd be a little bit harder. Like, where would we ever have seen anything like that before? So the social media teams, I reckon, keep an eye on them. If you, even if you follow, so is one, this a pull your socks up, or are you is. happy with it? Pull, no, pull your socks up, dimmer, because you've opened yourself up. <laughs> but but I reckon if you if you follow a team, fair enough. Follow eighteen, follow eighteen teams on Twitter or on on mm, Insta, mm. and just enjoy the ride because I reckon there's going to be a bit of to and fro this year. Yeah, I thought um, I thought North Melbourne social media team had an excellent. Weekend, I might have started on Friday when when uh, well they first when they clipped the um, the Giants for their 
partnership with a wagering company was was quite good because the, the Giants, they are up the top now. They're, they're the Collingwood of the social media there team. You go. Everyone wants to come for them and knock them off. They've set a high bar. And, you know, they're, they're, putting, they're putting their public um, image. And we have we, do we know who the... Who the face of the social media? We know media. who. Yeah, Jacob the young fella. The, yeah, he's, the, like he's twenty five, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's young. Twenty five, no care in the world. Like so, basically, a multi million dollar business has been put in the hands of a twenty five year old kid who doesn't really care. <laughs> Look out! <laughs> Look out! Uh, yeah, who are the that, must follow teams? That's not a disaster, is it? Who are your top three um, on the, of the social teams in the AFL? Let us know. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Uh, I'm going to clip Ken Hinckley. Uh, let's have a listen to what Stop he said. With, let's have a listen to what he said with Jared during the week. Oh, I think I think you can get three or four more out if we start a touch earlier, and, and we're prepared to go a little bit shorter on some breaks. Um, you know, I, I try to work with the, the sums a little bit with one and a half seasons in one season, which means you play everyone twice in two seasons. He wants twenty-seven games, Bucks. He wants three games in February. Really. That's a lo- that is a long year. Did someone from the AFL everyone. ask him to say that? I don't know. But look, what he's... I believe... He's, he, his logic makes sense because he's sort of saying it evens things up because if you expand it over a couple of seasons, you, you, you sort of play everyone in a shorter period of time, mm. which evens up the equals. But imagine playing an extra... Well, imagine playing three games in February. We already start on... It's March the 7th now. It's already come forward a week. The season goes for 31 weeks. Another month would be excruciating for me. Well, so, Kenny, pull, pull them up. I think that's a fair pull your socks up. And I think we're, we're like this This would be the longest season. I don't know exactly what the stats are, but if, you, if you've now got all of March and obviously you go to the end of September, you gather around has been an addition. You've got buys there that you didn't have before. It's the longest period from, of time from start to finish that we've ever had in a season. And I thought we saw it last year. I mean, Carlton was Carlton were cast, but they came back. Collingwood had the wobbles there at the end of the home and away, but then found a way. I I do believe that it's about timing in a season as much as anything. Now you don't want to be flying in the first five or six games. You want to be banking wins, but yeah. you don't want to be playing your best footy until the back end of the year. And 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 that's about a little bit about timing. Not every team is going to have the ability to do that, or um, or even indeed find the level. Yeah, you're going to have some sides that are just going to be redlining just to just to mm, qualify, mm. and they'll be going real hard real early. But there's probably you know six to eight teams there have got the got the scope to be able to to, no to, doubt to, about that. to ease themselves into the year and then to build as they go. I reckon you. Sp- I reckon that's spot on, and and that's where the depth of your squad is is yep, so crucial. Absolutely. So those that have built the depth and that have got the experience. So uh, the greatest example was Geelong the previous year. They they just managed it. Perfectly, and not for the first time. But okay, Dangerfield needs six weeks off, and he needs to get himself fit. Let's let's do that, and, and get you him find flying. out about you find out about more of your list as well. But if you're going to, you're sort of going back to list management, as you said, more than you ever have. Because if you if you take Danger out, but your next best is a is a you know four string mid that was mm. a late seventies pick in the draft, you're still going to back the kid, but you might not be might not be able to keep the rest of the team at that level. 
um, at a B grade level or a C grade level when you lose your A grader. You, you don't want to drop right away. So list management and depth in roles is, is very important. Yeah, I know you want to speak about Sydney in the buck stops, but I wonder whether that's been a bit of their philosophy in the off-season as well. Jordan, you know, Taylor Adams, Brody Grundy, who you want to speak about. A lot of texts coming through. Yep. Pull your socks up. Hawks defence is what let us down last year. Uh, help each other in defence. Then attack, says Dean. Um Kane, the Aussie selectors have nailed every challenge this past two years. Cricket, not your go. Yeah, I still would have liked to have seen uh, Jake Fraser McGurk last night, more so than uh, David Warner. Uh, a lot of text coming through on the Super Bowl. Don't forget the 49ers moved up to pick Trey Lance at uh, pick two. Only reason they didn't ruin them is because they also have Purdy. Yeah, drafting, definitely not an inexact science. There's, there's, Warning. An, there's an example about depth and making sure. I mean, I think the NFL probably do it as as well as any running backs, you know, we, they value certain positions in on their list, but they always, always are schooling up the next bloke. And that's why NFL players never feel like they're comfortable oh, no. in their position. It's brutal. It's great. Cutthroat. Uh, getting drafted to the right team situation plays a huge part, says Jade. And g'day, fellas. Loving the show. And just another shout-out to the Australian under-19 boys cricket team who won the World Cup overnight. We mentioned that in our sports update. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop to the shindig. Kane and Bucks with you right throughout your Monday morning in the lead-up to the Super Bowl coverage from 9 o'clock or 8.30 if you're with us on SENSA in Adelaide. We're going to cross to Jared Waitley very, very shortly. He's gone to social media, Bucks, Jared. Uh, he just says Super Bowl Sunday with a couple of uh, great pitches. It's, it's, have you been to the Vegas Stadium where the... I haven't Super been Bowl. to the Allegiant Stadium, yeah. no, but it um, it does look like the Death Star. Like that's, I think that's the way Jared's uh, described it. But yeah, look, the way that like Vegas is actually set up for big events, and and it's taking over the sporting world that the way it took over or you know grew the music world. So it's gonna be it's gonna be bigger than Ben Hur. G'day, Kane. You are aware of the T Twenty World Cup coming up, hence why David Warner, the experienced campaigner, is still playing. I feel his selection was proven correct on Friday night when he got player of the match. Says Ben, Ben, I, I agree with you. I think his 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 batting was great on on Friday night. But who would you rather watch against a, a lowly West Indian side? I think David Warner could have had a rest, and we need to unleash the, this this freak. Um, and if it's not him, put him in the middle order and and leave out Stoinis. I just think if you were you're telling me you'd rather watch Warner over Fraser McGurk. I don't know. Hey, how maybe do you rate your how do you rate yourself. your your six weeks? Like I've been um, I've been following a lot of your stuff. I need to we need to go back about some of your bigger calls. <laughs> we need to prosecute them in the next couple of hours. What do is, you reckon? Is, is anything is anything stuck <laughs> no, out? No, no, all of it. All of it. Is, oh. I, I, you hit the. I thought you hit the ground running. Yeah, your your hard. first six weeks this year. We, <laughs> we're going to be worried about. I'm a bit worried about burnout. Burnout. Yeah. We just we just oh. need to pace you. Your big, hasn't, hasn't even started yet. Your big call per day rate is like through the roof at the moment. Do you think so? I yeah, think I like it's it. been quite understated. But no, I like it. Uh, anyway, the buck stops here is coming up after seven o'clock. What's on? What's on the agenda? I've, I've only got the three things that I want to throw. Up. I, I look. We're all trying to make big calls this time of year, aren't we? So it's probably my style is more to try and just just. Make play it, it down. Try and play it down, and let's yep. look at uh, a couple of sensible parts of uh, 
the industry, but I'm actually, I've actually got, I think I've got a couple of big calls here, the things that I'd love to discuss with you, Edison. Oh, I love it. All right, just on the Super Bowl, Joe Pompliano is a great Twitter account. He says 115 million viewers today, 7,000 average get in ticket price, 15 million will watch the halftime show, $7 million for a 30 second commercial, 600 million in ad revenue for CBS and 1,000 private jets, and a $2.5 million suite. There is nothing else like it. Um, we're going to cross to Vegas very, very shortly and speak to Jared. But up next, the buck stops here for the first time in 2024. I'm excited. Kane and Bucks. Very good morning if you're waking up to us. Bucks is back which we love, and we've got a big McCafe menu coming your way for your Monday morning. Jared Whateley live from Super Bowl 58. The buck stops here in a matter of moments. Hawthorne star Mitch Lewis, Sam Edmund with the latest news, questions without notice, and more. You can get involved, one 736 736 Join in with us, of course, doing it all thanks to our great friends at Melbourne Airport Parking. You can book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. He's back. Let's get to this. The buck stops here. <laughs> All right, let's jump into this, Kano. Look, I um, this is a little bit less one way and more conversational because the first thing I want to talk about. I mean, I noticed that I've watched the Harley Reid stuff from afar, like everyone else, and I've actually listened to your comments on it. And West Coast and the West Coast media are going really hard on it. Is it any bigger than other number one draft picks, though? I don't, I don't really believe that there's any more pressure on this kid than there was on a handful of other number one picks. Bucks, how can it just you, happens can you to be say the, that this it just happens guy, to wait, be the most recent one? No, he's this, this. The coverage of him has been extraordinary. Like, I, can you remember? Is we're up to thirty front or back pages? 30. Yeah, would. Well, I think that that's that's a little bit of the media era. I, I, I mean, if he if this had happened in and and it, and I think there's recency bias as well. I'd, is it any bigger than than where, how we were talking about Jason Horn Francis two years ago? In my mind, no, because oh, it, because think, in, we, because we're in the guts of it. This is this is why being a number one pick is actually really tough because yeah. you you have to be more than just a great footballer to be. A success as a number one draft pick. You need to you need to have the wherewithal and the emotional regulation to be able to handle it. I think this is bigger. I, look, I, maybe it is recency bias for me, but I I don't think it's anything like the Jason Horn Francis coverage. And he's had to deal with it right throughout the year. I remember writing an article for the Age during the year saying that he he should refuse to go to West Coast. There, then there was the mm. Sam McClure piece. Then there was are they trading? pick one are they going to get a suite of picks for it should they hold him should they take him they take him and then since he's been there every person associated with the eagles that he's up in front of the media is asked about him those answers are turned into front and back page stories i, well, I look I, I feel a bit and and once again it's no one's fault as i've said because clearly that's the appetite and that's what we want to read about otherwise yep. the news outlets wouldn't print it and uh, they're not going to print stuff that people aren't interested in. So there's no fault. There's no blame. There's no blame on Harley. There's no blame on his management. There's certainly no br- blame on the press. But it's a t- it is a really tough start for him. It is. But but I mean I've I've lived this not yeah, as a se- not it. as a seventeen eighteen year old, but as a twenty year old. I've lived it. I know what it 
know what it's like to be in this position. So some characters will just put their head down and footy's all that matters and they'll and they'll just grind their way through it. Others will struggle. The the guys that I sort of like I think back to Matt Rowell in nineteen, like he he there was big raps on him, remember, coming in and changing things and he his first six games were as good as any. But mm. he's he's we've we've allowed him to find his level and his best football is ahead of him. Tom Scully back in oh nine, like he's the 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 um the raps on him were huge. He was going to revolutionise the game with his running and the way they went. Now he didn't quite make that level. Played at three clubs in the end. Mm. Uh, Tom Boyd was one. Uh, he trained with us as a as an under sixteen as a young kid that was going through the AIS, and he trained with us and he looked amazing. But we you, the, once again, it's more that more than size and strength. And he has spoken bravely about his challenges and his mental state. And I've got no doubt that part of where he got to was the pressure that, you know, we're putting a Harley Reid through. That it's not the media's fault because you just mm. you're just talking about issues in the game and but we do build up young players to a level that not all of them can reach. And has that, he landed and, in the worst spot? Is he, is he landed in maybe. because they're looking for any glimmer of positivity and it's gonna be tough. So compare that to Nick Dacos. Now the scrutiny on Nick is huge. But it's nothing like what's on Harley Reid. I, I said it last week, Nick Dacos, how many times is he on the back page of the paper? A couple of times a year? This guy's been on the back page 30 times and he hasn't played a game yet. And we can focus on other issues with Collingwood and the players around him and the support staff and, and the Craig success. McRae and what he's done. And the, and the success, success helps. And, and when you come in so has he, he landed in the worst spot possible for well, him? Yes, number one picks do land in the worst spot possible. Not, not, all, generally, not always. Generally they're teams that are last... Yeah. That finished last last year, but not all of them are, are um, as not. In, I was going to say institutionally bad, but West Coast's last couple of years have been tragic. So yes, he's walking into that. They've got a um, a success, a, a a club that's used to success, that have been starved of it, and now you become you're looking to cling to something that's going to be the difference between last year and next. And quite often, it's a young talent. And mm. then, and on this instance, it happens to be Harley Reid. I just, I just thought a little bit of perspective. I, I, I do think we've built it up, but I don't think we've built it up uh, any more than most number one picks. Uh, it, it, there has it has got its own circumstances, but I reckon there's some recency bias in mm. it. So that's number one. Number two for me is, and I just read, I just realised and um, looked on the uh, SEN website that you've wrapped Sydney up. And that you think they're stacked? Well, I agree. I think Adams and Grundy, uh, Taylor Adams and Brody Grundy, are going to. I mean, Sydney were a grand finalist a couple of years ago. I, I expect them to get back up top four, um, very easy, not easily, but, mm. but but quite clearly be a top four side. And I think they're probably, you know, Collingwood and Brisbane's greatest challenger yeah. for for grand for for breaking that grand final um, duo from last year. I think what it'll do is it'll add grunt to the inside. Adams and Grundy come in, they add grunt to the inside. So does Jordan, who played like nearly exclusively on the wing, but he's, I reckon he's an inside midfielder, so he adds to that depth. Parker becomes now a player who can go out in his, in his um, you know, retirement years, I suppose, the yeah. next couple of years, play forward, play back, play where they're needed. Goulden and Warner go a little bit, you know, maybe a, a meter or two outside of the in, the inside sort of hustle and bustle, and and can have the ball brought out to them rather than going mm. in and getting it. They can both do that, but I think they're better using their legs on the outside. 
I, I just think that Sydney have built this list over a long period of time. They were young a couple of years ago when they had a crack. They've had that that challenge of coming up, and they've gone, they've mm. dropped away. But I, I, but I expect them to be a real what handful you, for everyone this year. What do you notice from the coach? Um, uh, it was an insight into you know th- them going with Mills as captain. There was pressure from outside. Okay, w- what happened in Mad Monday? Mm. Does that cost him a leadership position? Well, not only did it not cost him a leadership position, they've gone, nah, you're the guy. You're, you're our main guy. So I just think John Longmire and his leadership and he just knows his team and himself so well. If he's not the best coach in the league for me, he's, he's in the top three. What do you notice from him and what he does well? And is that one of the reasons you, you, you're banking on them to be successful this oh, I year? Think he's, I think he's one of the most consistent people in footy. And that's, yeah. a, and that's an important trait of leaders is to be consistent. He's, um, yeah, he's a country boy that came up and played really well you know, six, in a successful era at North Melbourne. Um, but I've, I've admired the way that he's carried himself. I think Sydney as an organisation, um, they're, they're, as, they're an egoless organisation and they spread the load. They bring in people who are good at their jobs and they let them do what they're good at. And I think that um, I think they're in great hands. Um, I lo- one to watch too. I love that. I love Sheldrick as a, as a player. Mm. That young kid. We saw a little glimpse of him. He's still only twenty now. But I, th- I, mean, I think he's going to be a legitimate gun of the competition in the next three or four years. So I'd, I'd expect him to come through. And they just keep bringing him through, don't they? Yeah, you know, Campbell, well, Gordon, we see, like see the academy kids that have come through. and they've But they've made the most of their competitive advantages and mm. all credit to them. What I like is the mix of, of youth and experience. And their youth has now got three, four, five seasons under their belt. They're not first, second year players. They're, you know, Gordon, I think, since year three. And Warner would be similar. Logan McDonald's been around for a while. So that youth, there's McInerney, there's leg speed. But then there's the experience to to guide them through. So the demographic of their list is good. Uh, what's your last one? The last one is I'm going to read out three um, – Three pairs to you, and I want you to tell me where, where I might be going with it. Brady and Belichick, mm-hmm. Hodge and Clarkson, Selwood and Scott. Where am I oh, going? Great leaders, both captain and coach. And what happened with Bra- when Brady left? What what did we? What was the view of Belichick? That he can't win without Brady. When Hodge left, what happened with Clarko? <laughs> well, they haven't. They didn't win. In September anymore? No, and um, I reckon the, the the departure of Joel Selwood. Um, we discussed it a little bit, but I think yeah. it's only been twelve months. But I just think that there's certain, and I think I think this way with with Pendlebury and Collingwood a little bit that the Collingwood's biggest challenge is going to be when Pendle steps out or he, fi- he finishes, and maybe even a still side, but mainly Pendles. But I I just wonder what what this year is going to look like for Geelong. I think you, I, I saw, I saw them. suggesting that Chris Scott can't win without no, Selwood? No, 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 I'm not. But I'm saying that I think that it's probably at Geelong it's going to be tough. For Chris Scott, but also for, for, for Geelong, I think we underestimated the loss of Joel Selwood, if he could ever do that. Mm. And I think it was compounded by Cam Guthrie pretty much not playing at all through the year. But he's still his presence is at the club. I think if Cam Guthrie has a good year next year, I think Geelong can buffer it a little bit. But I don't think you can ever replace a, a, a player, a character, a drive, an ambition, a competitiveness. And maybe Vossi, like I'm not saying yeah. Voss and Lee Matthews, but I, I, I think it, it takes a whole 
a whole heap of elements to bring a successful team together. But there's 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 a special source, and I think it invariably is an on-field leader who brings a grunt and a desire and a will. And, and I just remember when, when Geelong ran out in the field in round one, there was like danger was leading them and there was mm. smiles on their faces. Was, and yeah. I... I just thought, wow, it's not that's that's an, an immediate contrast to Joel Selwood. Now you can't try and be Joel Selwood, but I think you miss you miss that drive and energy. And and I and I'd be fascinated to see where Geelong go this year, even even twelve months down the track, because I think they'll they it'll, it's hard to replace. It's impossible to replace, and I think that I think there's still some pain for them before they mm. they turn around. How much is it just where they're at? Like it just eventually it catches up with yeah. you, and how much? So you got do you put weight on that as well, or is you you think it's largely their struggles down to the absence of Selwood? No, I think no. Everyone has their time, and and but I think Geelong of Geelong. Have, I've always thought they've had competitive advantages as we've spoken about Sydney mm. with their home ground, and I think they'll they'll they can maximise that again and the shape of the ground and. But I, and I think they're a great, well-run organisation, also. But I, yeah, I, I, you, I know that you've mentioned you think Chris Scott will go to um, Brisbane and be Brisbane's next coach, and that's that's a big call given that, and he may well be. But Chris Fagan's been excellent for that for that club and been so consistent for them. But um, maybe, maybe, maybe it's maybe, time. Yeah, I think the clubs have their time, coaches have their time, and and that might, but you might be on the ball there in regards to to moving at some point yeah. in, the, in the near future. Yeah. So uh, the market expectation is that Geelong win 11 and a half games this is year. Is this your market? No, this is just the, the uh, I guess, where the, the, the average person that bets yeah, on yeah. football, I guess, sees yeah. the market. They won 10 last year with a draw. They play nine games at home. Would you be thinking they win over or under 11 and a half? So do they get to 12 wins? I don't think – I don't see them as a finals team. I think they've got the scope to, to – be as low as eight wins, and I think their highest is about twelve. Yeah, I, I think that's where I'd have them. So, right. I, so on the balance of that, I'd have them as an under. As an under, all right. What do you think about that? Which One, is which is a big call given their home games. It is a big and the, nine... and the quality of their, of their coach and and you know, the, the the pride of their experienced players. You just came in. You said you're not going to make the big calls, and you've just dropped that ass. Yeah, it's brilliant. You said you want to temper it down. I, I love it. Well, I just, I just think it's, it's just so hard to replace. Like it, it's and it's not the talent level on field. It's the, it's the, yeah. it's the absolute drive and ambition. It's the ability to pull everyone together and can't I, measure it. No, it's 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 very hard to do. But uh, yeah, watch this space. Good buck stops here. That's for the drain man. Drain problems. Call the experts. The drain man. Kane and bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Ah, looking forward to our next guest because he's, well, now I think a top 10 key forward in the game and a key pillar of what Hawthorne is setting out to achieve and winning their next premiership. He's been good enough to join us. His name's Mitch Lewis. Mitch, thanks for your time. Oh, very kind, Kane. Uh, thanks for having me on. Hope you uh, both had good weekends. Uh, and to you too, take me through, I know you've spoken recently about uh, the confidence that you'll take from this pre-season. There's now no question over your ability. Like you, you can seriously play, you must feel that and you must feel your influence. The challenge for you is you haven't played more than 15 games in, in any season. 
How do you reconcile that, and is that your biggest challenge? Yeah, you're spot on, Kane. Um, and it's absolutely the thing that um, I'm most aspiring toward. I want to play a full season of uh, footy and um, hopefully contribute to the team. So everything that I do um, in and away from the footy club is uh, aiming to do that. Can you take us through some of those things that you do do in and away from the footy club and perhaps how that's changed over your short time in the game? Yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, a couple of years ago when the injuries uh, first started coming along, I probably was trying to do too much, uh, thinking about it 24-7, what can I do more? Whereas this pre-season I've tried to... um, you know, still do the things that um, need to be done in terms of rehab and getting my body right, but um, not driving myself absolutely crazy um, over outcomes that may happen uh, in mm. terms of my body. So I think keeping a more relaxed approach um, while still completing everything that I need to do in terms of rehab and um, weights and training, uh, that's held me in good stead thus far. Mitch, you, you talk about that balance um, on and off the field. Where does, um, where does leadership and responsibility for, for your division come into it? Or, or is it uh, an aspiration that you have to potentially you know, do that more team-wide? And, and, and how's the, how have you developed that through this preseason? Uh, yeah, so I was a part of the uh, leadership group at the club last year. So... Um, I suppose the leadership space comes more naturally to me, uh, but that, that's one of those things that has been ongoing, um, a development for mine as well, because uh, I'd say two or three years ago, I was trying to force it, and um, everyone knows that when you try to force leadership, not only does it cause yourself detriment because the performance goes downhill, but you're not actually helping anyone in the team. So having more of a focus the last little while of just being myself and um, letting those natural leading tendencies come out of me um, has actually resulted in me being a better leader and um, showing greater, uh, I suppose, standards for the guys around me. And we definitely hope that the coach is is, uh, is trending the right way. But in his absence, what did the what did the uh, the weeks and, and sessions feel like? Uh, they they still felt really good, to be honest. Uh, Obviously, Mitch has taken uh, a little bit of a back step this pre-season, but I think it was sort of always in his plan anyway uh, in terms of the development of our group and the other assistant coaching staff. We're sort of in that period now where we don't need uh, that one voice from the top telling us what to do. Um, I feel that it's more of a shared responsibility amongst the assistant coaches and the broader playing group to... uh, um, you know, drive the standards that we want to set. Uh, so I know that he didn't mean to take a bit of a back step and um, get crook over the pre-season, but uh, it actually worked out quite well in terms of um, letting other guys step up. Mitch Lewis is with us on SEM Breakfast this morning. One of those is Adrian Hickmon, I guess, the, the new Fords coach, and he's he's got a big challenge and a big task when you look at the new look forward line. There's Chole, there's Gunston, Ginnivan, the Wizard Watson, Hardwick in a, in a new role. Is it ambitious to try and gel this forward line together so quickly and, and make it work, Mitch? And how's it tracking? Uh, ambitious? Mm, I don't think so. Uh, 
I guess when you bring in all of this talent, um, it's exciting to um, see, you know, what clicks together. And there's so many guys down there now. We've gone from having, you know, probably our forward line is our weakest link to, I'd argue, up there with our strongest. So um, it'll be exciting to see how we shape up for round one. Uh, we have our intra-club on Thursday and then a couple of hit-outs against the Dogs. So, um, yeah, Hick's going to have his work cut out for him to uh, pick a group of seven to play round one against Essendon, I think. Got a few. You, you mentioned about, um, you know, potentially where your forward line stacks up against the rest of your team. Your midfield really started stepping up last year. John Newcomb is one that I think we've all sort of fallen in love with. How's he looking this preseason, and can he go to another level again? Yeah, yeah, he's spot on. Our midfield really stepped up last year, and um, we, you know, we went from having pretty much a bottom midfield uh, in the previous year to up there um, in terms of the best, in terms of clearances and um, getting inside 50. So that was a massive step, which is why um, we put so much emphasis into our forward line over the off-season, um, you know, to consolidate those inside 50s and turn them into scores. Uh, in terms of our midfield and how it's looking, uh, Nuke's arms are still as big as ever. Um, you know, he's he's one of the hardest um, men I've seen to tackle. Like, he's just so strong. Uh, and I don't know how it must be just natural because he lifts two weights and he just blows up. So he's not allowed in the gym either. Um, one of those guys that we're all envious of. I'm sure you were one of those bucks. Um, <laughs> you did say arms, didn't you? Because he's because he's pretty yeah. he's solid. He's got a big engine as well. He he does. The fact that he's so large but can still run all day is um, absolutely astounding. Um, but in terms of the guys around him as well, you know, Will Day's not going to be available for the start of the season, but he had a great year last year and still has a major role to play um, in that midfield and. You know, you've got a couple of, I would say, role players, but still very good players in their in their um, own right in terms of, you know, Connor Nash and um, Carl Amon, even on a wing. Um, there's, there's a lot of guys in there that um, are developing really nicely and going to be really great players for the footy club for a long time. Is it realistic to think you can play finals and perhaps win a final this year? I think it is. Um, that's what we're striving for. Uh, we know that we're still a young group. Um, there's a lot of development still to come, but um, we're optimistic, uh, we're young, we're hungry, and, um, yeah, that's ultimately what we're driving for, to be playing in September again. Tell us a little bit about young Weddle. He came onto the, the scene um, last year and seems to be, looks to me like he's been given the licence by the coaches just to run and carry just take the take the game on whenever you get the opportunity if you get caught holding the ball that's right we'll wear that um it seems that he's going to give you a little a lot of bite off that half back line yeah i i absolutely love Wed. um i love what he brings to our side and um you're spot on in the sense that he has that license um with his athletic capabilities um he can take take a hanger um, but he's also one of our quickest and fittest on our list. So as soon as he gets the ball, um, I see that downfield. I'm running as fast as I can back to goal because um, I know that he's just going to take territory and um, you know run as fast as he can and kick it as far as he can. Before we let you go, did they adjust the training for the Super Bowl today? And are there many uh, NFL fans on your list? There is. There is a lot of NFL fans. Um, 
haven't adjusted training, just a normal uh, Monday morning session uh, today, but I'm guessing we will be back in um, indoors by the time the Super Bowl starts. So we actually had, obviously, Aaron Sipos is um, a new assistant coach at the footy club, and um, he stood up during the week and um, told us a bit of his story. Uh, obviously, he played in the Super Bowl last year, so... Um, he had some great stories to tell um, in terms of some of the players he's played against. So, um, yeah, because of last year, he's uh, going to the 49ers today. Beautifully done, mate. Uh, well, enjoy training and then enjoy the Super Bowl and, and look forward to you playing every game this year and, and driving the Hawks to where they need to be. Uh, Mitch, thanks for your time, buddy. Appreciate it. Well done, Mitch. Cheers, guys. Thanks, bye. Hawthorne open up their season on Saturday, March 16, against Essendon. Uh, what a rivalry. That is 1.45 at the MCG. That'll be a, a huge game. No shortage of big games over the first couple of weeks of the season, Bucks. And he's he's a now a genuine um, star of the game. Well, he is. Looks. He is. And the only thing that's held him back from being even bigger than he is at the moment is is that um, availability and his, and his injury status. So... Whenever he gets out, Hawthorne look a much better team. It gives them gives them the direction, and they, they we we put so much focus and pressure on these big forwards, but they do become um, you know the the bailout option if if uh, if the ball movement fails, and and they do become quite crucial. Interesting, he spoke about Aaron Sipos. Mm. Like, if the message from that is, hey, take advantage of every moment that comes your way because it can be gone in an instant. If that, that would have been a, a key message, I would have thought. 12 months later, you keep, you're you playing at the Super Bowl and you're still mm. a young man in terms of what you can yeah. do at NFL level as a kicker. He's, and now he's back coaching in Australia. Like that's, You never know where the future's going to take you, so maximise your chances. Time for the news headlines. We're off to the McCafe for a coffee. Mitch Lewis, our guest. We've got a big one coming up on the McCafe menu very, very shortly. We're going to Vegas. Uh, Jared Whateley is going to call all the action from 9 o'clock or 8.30. If you're listening on SENSA, he's got a big uh, lineup of guests before the match gets underway. You'll hear that live. Sammy Edmund with all the latest footy news. We've got a discussion about some coaches that have gone missing or one in particular in this offseason that I want to ask you about. Bucks, we're, of course, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. Um, and a bit of feedback on on the cats. I, I don't think that many are surprised by no. you thinking they may drop off this year. No, well, you know, a few people have said they didn't make finals last year, so it's not a big call. I agree. It's just that it was more about the Selwood aspect of it. But for a team that's been so generationally good, to miss finals two years in a row is, is quite significant if that happens. But that's... who's the who's the new Selwood? Like, I mean, they're they're once in generation yeah, but... players. So who's the, the closest thing that we have now to Selwood? Like, who, who's the most in the inspirational comp... now? Yeah, captain that we have. I well, you can, the... you can have them in different ways, but generally they generally they're grunt players, aren't they? And I, but I don't I don't think there's as clear a, um, um, a candidate as as we as we normally might have, I, th- I think that you know it, it depends who's going to be the successful teams, and then we'll make then we'll decide yeah. who the Selwood is because when they push through, I mean Nick Dacos goes about it in a different way, but he's not a Joel Selwood who's been in and under, but he's what he's doing is exceptional. I so mean, if his you, first if two years of his, of his career 
from the 18 captains, if, if you could if you could pick one, handpick who's the best captain right now in the league. I mean, is, is it Darcy Moore? Is it Toby Green? You got to pick, you can only pick one. There's no there's no Selwoods running around anymore. Well, Toby Green's probably the closest that's got that. Get on my back, come. Yeah, with me. yeah, a little bit. He, he's definitely got that, hasn't he? And and I and I dare say that Gorn's know, his got te- a little his bit of that. Teammates love him for it. Gorn definitely has that, and has been and has been fated as a leader because of that. I mean, keep coming like pro- yes, you know, Scotty Penry not captain anymore, but mm. he doesn't do it the traditional way. But he but he has great buy in, and in the end, you want to have great buy in, and just in terms of of. Um, just in terms of, I suppose, opinions as well. I mean, having uh, Mitch Lewis on, like he's got like, we've got some feedback here. How good is Mitch Lewis? Sign him up for a post media footy career, uh, a post media uh, footy mm. media career now. And how nice was he when he even to care about us and say, okay, I hope you had a good weekend. I think he was sincere with that. And then we've got now had typical Hawthorne smartass get him off. <laughs> it's just, well, it's just a raft of opinions. You cannot win. But I thought he was so impressive. So impressive. Oh, I mean, he can, can seriously play. I hope he gets more one-on-one opportunities because he's just monstered uh, last year. Frustrating. Someone here reckon he... that Harley Reid is the next Joel Selwood. <laughs> Harley Reid already hasn't played a game yet. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop Yeah, well, that's the man taking control of the halftime show. That's Usher. Jared Waitley will be bopping along, and you can catch every moment of the Super Bowl live across the SEN network from 9 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, straight after we finish this morning, and he's ready to go live from the stadium. Jared Waitley. Jared, good morning. Kane Bucks, hello. Welcome inside Allegiant Stadium. Inside three hours from the kickoff of Super Bowl. The main action right now is on the outside of the stadium where all the stages are set up for the party goers and the, the tailgaters. But gosh, it's got it's had an incredible build-up across the week. And now game time gets close. You've been in a few stadiums uh, for the Super Bowls over the years. How does this one stack up? Yeah, this is brilliant, Bucks. It's... It has an intimate feel to it. It's 65,000. The architecture on the outside is splendid. It's sleek. It's black with silver lines, and it's earned the nickname as the Death Star. It's got that lovely backdrop of the desert uh, in the background as well. So uh, inside, you're not too high in the back rows and the the seats in the lower bowl. Um, uh, it's such a good view. I, I was here on Monday night, and there were 24,000 fans here, mostly San Francisco fans in the lower bowl and the sound that they made as it poured out onto the field where we were able to be um, you can magnify that by three for what's about to unfold so yeah just with with the money that they have over here with private ownership and the technology that's at play the great feature at the top of the stadium is that they've got a glass wall which goes straight out onto the strip so this is at the uh, southern end of the strip and you can see the iconic view of Las Vegas through the glass wall at the end. Before we get to the game itself, how, how has the build-up been? Has it been as Vegasy as you thought it would be? Yeah, probably. As like, If this is the events capital of the world, they have 
they have elevated the Super Bowl even beyond what typically happens in a city. So there's so much going on here, and then you put the overlay of the Super Bowl as well. So there's been a, a few of the the truisms is the streets are now just awash with 49ers fans in particular and Chiefs fans as well. So the trooping of the colour is just like it is on grand final day back home. But, the, yeah, the events have progressively built throughout the week and, and there's been everything from you 2 at the Sphere to Adele in her private and intimate concert. There have been private parties all around the place. Shaq held his fun house. Uh, there was Live Golf yesterday, the, the culmination on the Saturday there. The wrestling came into town on Thursday. So there, it just feels like there was even more stacked into Super Bowl week to provide a platform for what will be the, the most viewed Super Bowl in history with, um, with Taylor Swift having arrived in town last night. <laughs> the fact that you mentioned that is bizarre, but that's uh, that's where Such we're at, isn't it? Such a storyline hey, there, here. There must be, well, to, yeah. and the red lipstick as well. There must be a lot of red in, in Vegas at the moment. Who's wearing, yeah. who's wearing the white uniforms today? The 49ers are, but all their fans are decked out in red. So the 49ers have broken the record for the all-time merchandise sale in the two weeks leading up to a Super Bowl. They've sold more than 100,000 jerseys, but they didn't have many white I think they must have expected to be wearing red. So mm. uh, wherever you look, fans are in red and you have to do the double take or just check the numbers to see which team they are supporting. But, yeah, it'll be the place will be awash in red when this game starts. Jerry, looking forward to your pregame show as well. You're going to be joined by Brian Curtis from The Ringer. He's, he's been a, well, a long-time friend of yours now, and he's been on your program regularly. He wrote a fascinating piece about Tony Romo, who's going to call the Super Bowl, and he's linked to Fox Footy in Australia, where the Fox Footy crew were, were showing clips of Tony Romo's commentary, and they said, this is what we want to be. And he burst onto the scene. But there's been some real criticisms around his commentary of recent times. Did you read the piece and will you ask him about it today? Yes, yes. So it's it, like there are the threads that run into this Super Bowl. There's the Taylor Swift dynamic, which is a nationwide, worldwide phenomenon. And then Tony Romo's place as the, the analyst on the game, the colour man on the game for CBS. And to even hear the president of CBS saying, or oh, I've just asked Tony to sort of tone it down as to pull his excitement back a little bit. Mm. I'm, I'm deeply fascinated by this. He is, he's got such a way with television, Tony. And then his analysis evidently has caused a level of irritation. As I ran into a lady in the street the other day and she asked what we were doing over here and, and I said, oh, we'll call the game for Australian radio and she said to me, oh, can I get your call because I have to mute Tony Romo when he's on. <laughs> it's, Tony Romo's excitement is just, uh, it's almost everything you want in television. But his analysis has drawn a lot of analysis in its own right. It's, yeah. um, I'm so interested in it, and Brian's the best media observer there is in the States. Uh, it's a terrifically insightful piece about what the problem with Romo's calling is. And the level of, um, I don't know whether it would be pressure, but self-awareness is it would mm. be impossible, even for someone who's on $17 million a year and who's, played in big games it would be impossible not to be self-conscious I think coming into the game and and what this is guaranteed to be the most watched Super Bowl of all time and he's one of the two voices so I can't imagine how he feels especially when his bosses are leaning towards telling him to to sort of uh, just to curb what is it curb Mm. your enthusiasm you guys would know better than I does it stem back to the fact that he's a cowboy 
Is there I anything in that? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I think it's... I, I, it, and uh, Brian expli- will explain this well. Is Some of it is that he got the big payday, which changed the landscape for media over here. And that comes with a degree of blowback as well. But... I think I've told you before, Bucks, is that the one industry that we don't have in Australia that is very well populated here is the scrutiny of the media mm. performance around the game. And that um, that that has centred on Romo, I think, for two years now. So mm. on field, what are the what are the biggest stories that, that you um, are looking forward to, to seeing sort of play out for us today? So Brock Purdy has just been shown arriving at the stadium and that's the 49ers fans you'll hear in the background. So... His story is remarkable, uh, and I don't understand why this isn't, wh- why there's sort of any quibbling over it. Is he's been criticised throughout the year as being a game manager, as if somehow that's a bad thing. He, he's the last pick in the draft from two years ago, pick 262. The last pick earns the moniker of Mr. Irrelevant, and there's a list. You can go to Wikipedia and have a look at the list of Mr. Irrelevance, and it's usually because they get cut. At, at training camp or cut before they even play a game. He was the third-string quarterback taken on a whim at the end, and now two seasons on, he's the starting quarterback for the favourites in a Super Bowl. I find that story absolutely entrancing. Mm. And mm. if he is to win, it'll be the greatest story in draft history, any sport, any sport that's taken on a draft, uh, that that would happen inside two years. Um, so that's one side of it. And the 49ers are such a storied franchise but their successes date back to the 80s and the 90s we all know montana and rice and then steve young as they haven't won the super bowl since that era so they're trying to do that today and the other side of it is just pure greatness is patrick mahomes is the most freakishly gifted player in the league he has a record across six years which is six preliminary finals essentially and then four grand finals of which he's already won two and he was the mvp in both so he is on a rapid course towards the levels that Tom Brady has set, mm. given he's only just bowed out of the game as the unanimous vote of the greatest of all time as Mahomes is doing this so rapidly. So th- that they're the two sides of it. And then the, the our Australian involvement is Mitch Wisnowski, who's the punter for the 49ers. No Australian has yet played in the winning team. One of only four to be here. He's here for a second time and it's hard not to be drawn to that. Jared, we're in great hands. Enjoy it and we can't wait for your coverage. No, I can't wait to bring it to you, Kane. I feel giddy with excitement as well as the task that it's hand. <laughs> Strap yourself call, in. Jared Whiteley live from Vegas. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Yeah, welcome into Kane and Bucks. We're here for Melbourne Airport Parking. You can book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. We'd love for you to join in the open lines, one 736 736 Or, of course, you can send us a 40 Winks temper text. One of the best news breakers in the business is our very own, thanks to the Drain Man. Drain relining is a long-term solution to rehabilitate your assets. The Drain Man, Sammy Edmonds his name. Sammy, thanks for stopping by. Kane, great to be here. Good morning to you. Good morning, Bucks. Kane, morning, we're just mate. having a, you'd like this, we're just having a quick chat off air. Now, there is a lot to get to this morning, but just quickly, we're talking about the rise of the social media teams, the media teams in Clubland, which you and I spoke about, and you and Bucks were speaking about this morning, and our man uh, Jacob Gaynor up there at GWS. I might point out the reigning employee of the year up there at GWS. They love him. Took a rare Your man. Took a rare That's L. How they rate him. Took a rare L last week, didn't he? Which we spoke about with North Melbourne, but Bucks and I were talking <laughs> because in, in Bucks's time they really came on, didn't they? Bucks the, well, was, the media teams. Well, it's just reflecting that like we're a young fella, Tom Robinson, who's no longer at the club. 
He, I reckon we beaten we'd beaten Richmond with the last kick of the day um, or the night. Brody Grundy sort of took a, a crumb and kicked it, and, and like it's Grundy, like it was. I think it was Bruce that was calling yep. it. And I think he played that on loop. He either put it on Facebook or something and played it on loop, like 10 seconds, played it on loop for an hour for, and put it out to to the supporters before we were playing Richmond the next year. And, um, like, he was ahead of his time. You weren't happy, the, were you? It's fair to say Jeff Walsh uh, wasn't happy. He pulled him in. And he was that close to getting sacked. It wasn't funny. But he would be employee of the, of the year he if, would. if he was uh, He was just ahead of his time. Because they're slinging mud at each other. It's an art form at the moment. And we, we love it. It's all a bit of good fun. Um, we'll start with some footy, Kane. The free agency pools that we discussed, uh, you discussed last week, you know, might be a tad underwhelming, but the out-of-contract pool is mm. not. And Ben King will always be central to that. But... Ben King is definitely staying at Gold Coast. Now, he's touch and go for the season opener for the Suns with that knee, but the new contract is an absolute formality. There's no signature yet, but there will be very soon. And as Ben has constantly said, and perhaps as recently as a couple of weeks ago, loves the Gold Coast lifestyle, loves the club. He will stay. He will sign a two-year deal, is my understanding. And that two years takes him to the free agency, you know, the obvious trigger, isn't it, really, to then sign a career-high deal to stay on further or do the big deal to leave under that mechanism. But he's as wedded to that city as you could possibly expect. He loves it. The Suns have had the contract offer in front of him since last year. He's about to come back with a revised offer, and these things can come together pretty quickly. His manager, Robbie Durazio from Connor Sports, was uh, up on the Gold Coast last week, so I don't think that's too far off. So there could be real dose of good news for, for the new coach up there, Damien Hardwick, before a ball's even bounced. It's speaks to optimism and belief and and there's no doubt that Dimmer's appointment brings that. I wonder if that hadn't happened, how much he would love the city because mm. in the end it's it's all of it put together. But the other one that highlights for me is like we were talking about pressure on players and where Harley Reid's been built up to. Remember remember Max and Ben King, how much we built them up? Yep. And we realise that how hard this game is when you've got talented young players like these two boys that come in. They've both had injuries. They've both had their mm. worries at different times. But they're both going to be great players for a long time for their respective uh, clubs. Listen what, to what about yes, some of the other names, Sammy. Yeah, some so of the other out of contract names. Todd Marshall sounds like that's a formality as well, doesn't it? Listening to Ken Hinckley last week, Cam Zerha, Hugh McCluggage, Andy McGrath, all of interest, particularly Zerha. You'd think Dustin Martin at, at season's end, of course. So we maybe we won't go through the whole competition here, but the question really for a while now, and particularly over summer, has been: Can the Western Bulldogs keep all three? And when I speak of all three, I'm obviously referring to Tim English, Jamari Eaglehagen and Bailey Smith all out this year, with English the restricted free agent. Now, unsurprisingly, all have attracted significant interest and going back for more than 12 months in many instances. And the dogs will be nervous until they put pen to paper. For me, though... I still think Bailey Smith is where a lot of it lies, a lot of that conjecture, a lot of that intrigue. On the move to who knows, a Geelong, a Collingwood or a Hawthorne or elsewhere. Now, all of this is going to play out, of course, with the extra edge of how the coach gets on performance-wise and also with what is very much a new-look football department that has been built around him. So there's so many storylines at the Western Bulldogs. It's going to be fascinating to watch on a variety of fronts, I think. So, Kane, English, Hugo Hagen and Smith – one to three. How do you oh, you want to keep uh, them going forward? Eugle Hagen, English Smith. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Is is where I've got. And it. I think I mean Bulldogs might think that as well. But I mean, if you've got your druthers, you'd keep them. You keep them all. Yeah. But, but if you, but as we know with list management, sometimes you need to give to get. You do. Yeah, I think they only desperately need to keep um, Jamara. I think the other two are replaceable and English replaceable. Be, yeah, it may not be a bad thing if if either of those leave 
um, for the Western Bulldogs. I don't think it would be a disaster. I think you can um, you know, get some pretty good conversation for that. Uh, ticket prices are out, Sammy? They are. and they're get, Well, they're going to go out uh, on sale later this month, Feb 27 specifically. That's just for here in Melbourne for the start of the home and away season. Obviously, opening round and gather round has been on sale for a while. When they do go on sale, though, Kane, people going to games at the MCG and Marvel will find that the cost of those tickets are the same as they were 12 months ago. So the AFL's just announced this morning that ticket prices for general admin will be frozen, 27 bucks for adults. $5 for kids, five and above, which is outstanding value, you've got to say. Half a dozen years now, the prices haven't changed. I reckon that's pretty incredible. Attendances went past 8 million people last year. So cost of living rising everywhere. I think 27 bucks for an adult, $5 for kids. Pretty good value, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, that, that's good news. Now, one of the more spicy boardroom election campaigns we've seen came to a close on Friday, Kane, of course, when Port Adelaide icon Warren Treadray beat out another one in Bruce Abernathy in an incredibly tight vote. Now, as you told us on Friday, Kane, Treadray became the power's new director. Now, there were only 199 votes separated here at Abernathy, and they received 10,500 votes from members. So Treadray was livid during the, the campaign, of course, when Ryan Burton endorsed Abernathy, given his in a relationship, of course, with Abernathy's daughter, Bree. Warren was furious. Oh, yes. Vented his anger on the club as well, as, as Kane told us, but it was his... Declaration less than 12 months ago, of course, that uh, Hinckley's coaching position was untenable that remains the elephant in the room. That's the understatement of the day. Now, the pair, Treadray said upon his elevation to the board just a couple of days ago, we yet to speak directly, but that the coach had presented to the board alongside the head of football there, Chris Davies. Now, clearly Treadray isn't a fan of Hinckley, but he's only one seat at the table, isn't he? One seat of nine or whatever it is. However, I found this interesting. He was given the chance at his unveiling press conference a couple of days ago to say that he changed his mind on Ken. I'm not sure he took it. This is Warren Treadray a couple of days ago. I was open at the time, my thoughts. We're all grown men, we've moved on from there. And, and I'm here to support it um, and, and support the club and, and give back to the club that gave me a lot. Are you fully backing him with that? So, so, how do I? Are you fully backing him? You yeah, he money? signed a two year contract with the club last year. Yep. So, yep. you know, you previously said his position is untenable. But he's since signed a two year contract at the club. So, he's a contracted coach at the club. How and the club has unanimous support in him. How do you reflect on those comments now? Obviously, it made a big, a big stir. How do you reflect on them? Sort of well, they're my honest comments at the time. Yeah. But... Changed. Huh? Have they changed your opinion? Well, I'm not going to be giving you any headlines today, if that's what you're wanting. <laughs> of course they are. No, no. I, I, no I'm, I have, I'll have my, my strong thoughts um, around any discussion we need to have inside the football club. And, and that's... Effectively, I think that's what our members have voted for. They want someone to ask the questions that need to be asked at the right time. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing here. Was Treaders able to do a not headline response there <laughs> at all, Kano, in Adelaide? What, what happened? Well, uh, I, well, I don't know. That, that's the challenges, isn't it? I mean, it's incredibly awkward to, to listen to. I'm not sure how you mm. um, analysed it, Bucks and, and Sammy, but there's, there's challenges for the football club because not only has he been Ken Hinkley's biggest critic, he's also being really critical of Matthew Richardson, the CEO, and and, and mm. also David Kosh at one point accused how much of it ga- is... gaslighting him last year. So there's there's some real challenges. And then how much Warren can say in his, in his job, which is to work in the media, he's going to have to rein it back in a, a long way, I would have thought. So, yeah, it's an interesting watch. Bucks, I want to take you back to when you were a senior coach and you were for a long time. Now, ignoring us pesky media people is one thing, but... How, I don't know if unnerving is the right word, but how unnerving can it be when you suspect that there are those at board level who might not be your biggest fans? No, 
it might be a little bit about keeping your enemies close as a whole for Port Adelaide. Like if Treaders is still going to say and do what he believes, I think that's his character. Is that right, Kane? Mm. Like he's not going to be a yes man at any point, and that's great. You want that point of difference. I, um, I've had a board member who didn't vote for me to continue out of 17 come to me and have a conversation about it and about why he thought that it was time to move on. And we've got a great relationship still, and we're both not at the club anymore. It was Alex Weisslitz. Mm. But we – I think if you can have – you can still have differences of opinion, Adam, in a moment, as long as you're men about it and or, or – you're Transparent. You're, you're transparent mm. about it. You're, you're front up on it and you have those conversations and – then you can understand, oh, that was then, this is now, and we're both in the same camp and we want to, We want this club to be great. I think you're fine. And so I was surprised to hear that that conversation hasn't taken place. I'd suggest that that's really important for that to happen because they're, they're in the same boat and hopefully heading in the same direction. When it comes to advertising a Super Bowl, I'm forever fascinated by this guy. So companies are going to pay today, or already have done, $10 million Australian for a half-a-minute slot. It's quite incredible uh, on CBS's broadcast, of course, between Kansas City and, and the 49ers. Jennifer Aniston, David Beckham, Christopher Walken, just a few of the big uh, stars that were going to appear in these ad spots between plays. There's a Suits reunion coming of sorts, a Friends reunion as well. Carl, Carl Weathers is set to feature posthumously. Dan Marino, Scarlett Johansson for M&Ms. And then there's this one, Vince Vaughn, Tom Brown. Brady and Wayne Gretzky for a betting company. Quite amusing. Now, anyone but Tom Brady can play, so goes the line, because Tom has done enough winning. The truth is you've won too much, Tommy. Let others have their turn. What if I bet in-game parlays and I'm not Tom Brady? You're it. Now dog me. What if I bet the money line, but I think Tom Brady is cute? Well, I have the beholder. Subjective, but you're in. Hi, Tom. What if I used to babysit Tom Brady and he was a little troublemaker? Well, then you die with your secrets. No one likes a snitch, but you're in. Love Vince Vaughn. He's a very, very clever ad. And, and Tom dresses up as a cowboy in one stage to get an account. And they say, stop mugging around with the clothes. Very amusing. Just just, um, just quickly on the Super Bowl, I heard you guys talking about this earlier. But given the huge differences in their path, the respective quarterbacks, now, what warms the heart more? The Pat Mahomes ever-blossoming mm. legacy, the third championship is a two-time MVP, setting all sorts of new watermarks every year. And he's, he's the man on the throne. Or is it, you know, the last draft pick, Mr. Irrelevant, the so-called game manager who they say is being propped up by others. Are you siding with the man chasing Brady or the little San Fran battler fighting for the little guy? The underdog. It's the underdog. It has to be. Oh, for me it is. Bucks is going for the legacy piece. Yeah, no, I like the legacy idea. But in the end, whoever earns it will earn it. They'll be one part of it. But, geez, if we talk about building people up, don't we build the quarterbacks up? As, the, as the, like... They, they're, they're never on the field together, but it's always this guy versus that guy. Uh, they're pretty important. It's amazing. Yeah, well, the, so are the defenses. <laughs> yeah, they are too. That is. The, the quarterbacks do cop it, like the win-loss. Uh, it's, half, it's half of the situation. Like they got no control over what the defense does or how, how they play, but it's always, oh, this is a winning Mahomes quarterback. Mahomes versus or it's Purdy. Not, yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's, but all, the MVP of this game will probably be mm. one of the quarterbacks. And the MVP of the league is usually always a quarterback. So they, the, they build it up as much. I wonder if well. they're having, like, if the, if the media there will be prosecuting that because clearly there's, you know, really important players on the field that, that are not the quarterback. But mm. um, 
Yeah, like Cooper Cup won a MVP in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Others have done it, but it, it is rare. Uh, Phoenix, Phoenix Open, Sammy? Yeah, we're just about out of time. So just quickly, the old saying, care for what you wish for, definitely applied to the Phoenix Open over the weekend. And this is the tournament that perhaps has led the way over the years as golf tries to become more exciting to a younger generation. But gee whiz, every hole was the 16th hole over there at the weekend. The party hole had blossomed into 18 party holes. There were drunks everywhere. They had to shut the gates for a while, mm. stop serving alcohol, some really unsightly uh, things witnessed over there. So one to watch. Uh, curious scenes uh, as well on the T20. You spoke about the no appeal. Some amazing audio there from the umpire, Jared Abud, who just said, guys, no one appealed. This is ridiculous. We're getting into real poor territory. Just get on with the game. The Aussies surrounded him at one particular stage. Should they have to appeal, though? I mean, they all know the rule. If you're out of the crease, you're out of your crease. It came up on the big screen. He was half a foot out. Should he have just been out? Well, y- yes. I think in the in the age of video reviews... It's, it's not an LBW. What's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's, quite often, the where, where the game goes or the technology is is not supported by the way the rules are written. You know, we, we, we're always lagging, and, and it takes a situation like this before you rewrite the rules to actually you know, make, it, make it good. Uh, yeah. But yes, appeal's always been a fundamental part of the sport. It's just mm. an early question about the notice for you as well, Kane. Now, I think uh, we're all back from holidays, of course. I don't know about you, but I did a lot of Uno playing in the living room uh, over the, the holiday period. Now, I've just heard something that I know Uno officially uh, clarified a year or two ago, but I'm shocked to learn this. I didn't know that you can't stack. Now, Uno has confirmed that, no, you can't put a draw two on a draw two or a draw four on a draw four. We do that in our family. It adds to the fun. You can't, that's mm. not allowed. Yeah, no, you, you can't, can't put a draw four on a draw four. What? Then you draw eight. Pick on fat. No, I always thought you could do that as well. So oh, nothing what about, what about what do you Don't you think about your kids, their little hands? They no, can't target, hold that many cards. Why them. would you do that? You've you got to target them, that one vulnerable family member. That's it. You I love the look on the face. I think, oh, I've got daddy <laughs> with a draw four. Yeah, Bang, like, there massive, goes another four. Massive cynic. You know what I think that makes me think first? You know sales must be down. <laughs> they're, they're trying to make themselves relevant again. Oh, maybe. Is well, it, they've been sitting it, on this for two decades. I was, you know, like, they've been sitting up for two decades and you only finally now clarify it. I reckon their sales are taking a downturn. They're trying to find some free publicity. Well, let's whack this Let out. Let it there. linger. Yeah. There is nothing you're not across, Sammy. Nicely done from you for the first time uh, this year and look forward to doing it uh, each and every Monday, mate. Appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, guys. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop Thanks for your company on this morning. Get ready for our Super Bowl coverage coming up after we leave. If you're just joining us, we've spoken to Mitch Lewis from the Hawks and Jared Waitley live from Vegas. And moments ago, Sammy Edmund brought us all the latest sporting news. Bucks, I want to ask you if there's more that goes into coaching than just coaching the team. Um, because I, I think there's one coach in particular that's sort of gone missing publicly in this offseason as we gear up you know, only weeks away from the season starting and the responsibility for a coach like Luke Beveridge to front up more and be more accessible to the media and therefore his fans. And the reason I say that is because there's been a lot of change at the Western Bulldogs. They've just completed the review. We haven't really heard from anyone, in particular Luke Beveridge, since um, Chris Grant has essentially been demoted. There's been stories about tension between him uh, and Chris. They're in the lowest two to three clubs in terms of supporter bases in Melbourne. And I think we need to hear from him more. Essentially, he's been invisible this season. I'm calling it Where's Bevo? In a little Where's Wally costume. Like you can't. So when I compare him to other coaches, this 
this offseason. This is just a quick snapshot. Chris Fagan's going to be live in, in the studio with Gary and Tim tomorrow. Michael Voss has done an extended interview with AFL.com.au. Um, Justin Longmuir, you think he wants to front up with, with the questions over his job and the pressure that's on him? Well, he's done a lot of media in Perth. Damien Hardwick's done the same. Adam Kingsley's been everywhere. I don't reckon Sam Mitchell would have really wanted to document um, uh, his serious illness in New York, but he did that with The Age. He also did that with, with The Herald Sun. Ken Inkley didn't want to turn up after going out in straight sets in the finals last year, but he was everywhere last week. Simon Goodwin's the same, but he came into SEN and did a long sit-down interview. Ross Lyon, John Longmire was with us last week on SEN. He did a press conference to announce uh, the captaincy. Adam Simpson's won five games in the last two years, but he fronts up probably weekly in the Perth media, and, and Luke Beveridge is missing. What's the responsibility on a coach to actually accept the media requests and uh, and talk publicly about all the issues going on at the footy club? Well, it might not be the coach. Obviously, I'm going to present an alternate opinion in some ways. A senior coach is not going to be able to answer all of the all of his um, challenges and and all of the queries on his tenure or his game plan or his manner um, on the relationships internally, especially. Um, coaches are loath, or people in football clubs are loath to to give anything that they don't feel needs to be focused on any more attention um, than it's getting already. So you don't think that's changed? You don't think clubs are more open? Um, you don't think players are more open, and you don't think that's a good thing? Like, well, there's, you, there, there's there, you'll you will face rumours um, that are things that are happening at an AFL club, and. If you address them, well, then you simply are adding fuel to a fire, or to a small fire, and you make something that's not actually you make something big that's uh, from something that doesn't necessarily need a what lot is of not addressing it. What does not addressing it do, though? No, do you, I that think you're right. Do you think that helps? I don't know. If, does, can Bevo win at the moment? He's either talking too much or he's talking too little. In the end, the only thing that re- that registers and that changes the perspective is wins and success. Now. He has, as is an individual, look at Western Bulldogs and 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 Bevo as a as an entity. Uh. You, you win a flag ahead of your time in 2016 really quickly, and I think that Brendan McCartney's sort of era of developing those players helped. But Bevo had to put the icing on the cake and got it done. And we just heard Dan Hanbury talk about how he felt like they were hard done by, which is always the the vanquished always has those opinions and those feelings, especially if it's a close game. But that's but that's now that's now eight seasons or seven seasons since then, they they played in and lost the grand final in twenty one during COVID, and yeah, there are questions of whether he can whether his manner is registering and resonating with his playing group. So we'll we'll only find that out in the in the fullness mm. of time. But right now, it's probably a good time. I'd I'd feel like it's not a bad time for him to sit tight. Now, whether the club need to do a little bit more PR, well, then that, that doesn't need to fall so, so, uh, solely on the senior coach. It might be that Amit Baines needs to stand up a little bit more. It might be that um, they find different ways through their media strategy. We've focused on media, on social media teams um, this this morning, but mm. 
I don't think to, to lump it on Bevo himself. I think that's a bit much. And in the end, his greatest priority is the relationship with the players, preparing them to win games of footy and to play their best football. So it's not more than that. It's not being um, the, the the face of your football club, particularly for someone like the Western Bulldogs. Like, for, for Craig McRae, memberships sell themselves. Like you've you've got the premiership. Everyone's going to turn up. He doesn't need to be doing a whole lot of media. I think it's different though if you if you look beverage in an age where fans want more access. They want to know what style of football they're going to play. They want to know where Darcy's going to play as at forward yeah. and back. They want an update on English. They want an update on Hugo Hagen. It's not just negative stories. No, I understand okay. that. I, I, look, we haven't, like, Maddie Nix is in a similar situation from all, in, from all reports, hasn't done a lot, even, even across in Adelaide. The Scott brothers are doing a, a very little. Fly's mm. been quiet um, after, after his flag. And or after the Collingwood's flag, and, and I think in the end, we we can we will absorb these things, and depending on the status of the of the team and the club, and 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 potentially their momentum over the last couple of years, or whether we feel there's an appetite for change or not, it will colour the way that we that we view these things. I just mm. I just What's think the it, AFL's role. Do you think they they're saying that every player must speak to, and every coach has to as well. Well, what's the AFL's role? Does there need to be a certain amount of press conferences in the off-season? Because well, right. I know you, as a coach you have to do one with the, the host broadcasters or whatever once a week. In season, yeah. yeah I, I think there, there's a lot of things being put in the can at the moment. Like, you know, the player shots, um, you know, mm. Fox Pops that they'll run throughout the year. Uh, the coaches themselves will be doing interviews and be required to do interviews through the Coaches Association um, let alone their own media and the AFL media. So there's there's things that like so Bevo would have would be doing interviews. He'd be doing uh, all ins in regard to you know their status going into t- 2024. So whether they've um, been locked away yet, they will come out in time, and he he will be required to speak. And clubs are required to to put their their leaders up to be able to you know, answer some of these questions. It might just be a timing thing. What do you reckon? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Would you like to hear more from your coach, or it doesn't phase you? And in particular for the Western Bulldogs fans, you feel like you've been a little bit shortchanged with the information that hasn't been forthcoming. I don't think in this in this preseason. It's Kane and Bucks from Melbourne Airport Parking. You can book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. Questions without notice for Cooler Bar Turf, supplying Victorians with premium instant turf. Um, Bucks, how much trust do you place in your high-performance staff with the program through pre-season? I ask that because Geelong um, seem to have changed the way they've gone about it physically this pre-season. Dangerfield's spoken about doubling their high-speed running um, in this pre You must need to put a whole heap of faith in your high-performance team for such a drastic change to be, um, you know, to be put in place. Absolutely you do, and, and they will bring their own philosophies as well, and there'll be changes in the demands of, of where you think the game's going or how you might want to play, and if there's a shift in game style or if there's a shift in what the competition is asking from you, then as an individual, you need to, you need to shift with it. But, yeah, your, your, your conditioning coaches. A key. I mean, they 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 impact the attitude of the players as much as the coaches do. How so? Well, they spend they're they're rubbing shoulders with them 
this time of year in particular more than anyone else. The physios, mm. like the the whole medical and conditioning team, you, you you'd recall. Definitely. You know, how much downtime you actually spend. So if you thought about, all right, so what's the most contact time I have with people at the fo- in the football department? This time of year, it's definitely your senior condition, you know, your head conditioning coach who's running that. It'd be, it'd be the coaches in the gym. You, you are with your line coach quite a bit, but you, you spend a lot of time with your physios. You spend a lot of time on that medical side of things. And and, and they become crucial in, in your attitudes and how you approach, you know, hardship training, like mm. the grind that you t- that takes place this time of year. So, yes, that bloke in particular who runs that department um, and the type of training that you do, he becomes key. Mm. Got any questions without notice? Or you want me to go another one? No, you got another one, mate? Uh, yeah. How do you think Carlton will handle the hype and the expectation. I did hear, I did see a, a headline recently. Was it, um, I think it was Sammy McClure, but he said that he thought that, that, that how can they not be premiership favourites? Premiership favourites. <laughs> that was right out of your book, mate. But still, <laughs> I can understand it because the, the, the rush that they came on with um, last year was, was significant. It's, and once again, speaks to the length of the season, that they were able to dig themselves out of the hole that they were in. And I think everyone forgets. Yeah, you know, we forget so quickly, but mm-hmm. Carlton were bottom four and they were playing bottom four football and they were able to turn it around. They do have big weapons. I think they, I think with another preseason under their belt, they're going to go really well. I expect them to be sort of, I expect them to be a top six side. I don't know whether they've got the wherewithal to be a top four side yet. We'll find that out as it goes along. But they, if you were saying that Sydney is stacked, I see, I see Carlton as a, as a stacked team. And mm. you know, Zach Williams coming back in, and I think he is a, he's an absolute jet. So he's had a re, you know, a couple of really bad years with injury, but he can play behind the ball, on the ball, or in front of the ball, and will give you an, a, a massive impact. He's nearly a like in my view, he's a a poor man's Toby Green. Like he's he has that sort of impact when he plays. I mean, he's he's a top end talent. So if he can get have an injury free year, I mm. think they could go to another level again. On that on that GWS, what do you see? What do you see them doing? Because obviously Carlton and GWS came through and they were the form teams in the back half of the year and then took that into finals. What's Adam Kingsley going to get out of his charges uh, in uh, this season after their run of last yeah, year? Yeah, I'm, I'm not as hot on GWS as some of the others are. Why not? Uh, are you, well, are you going to get those great seasons again from Kelly, from Canelio? From Green, I think you probably will. From Green, uh, he's spoken about some challenges that he had with his body. So there's probably even some room for improvement with Toby Green. Are you going to get it from Hogan? Uh, I'm worried about Taylor's body. Are you going to get the same season from Buckley, who was enormous? I don't know. I just got that they probably had five or six sort of veteran players that had career best years. Can you bank on that and can you rely on that? And what is their forward line? look like from a Himmelberg's probably another one who had a really strong season so I don't know I, for whatever reason I think it was a lot about the new coach uh, a, a game plan that they really believed in and trusted in but they had a lot of things go their way a lot of come from behind wins they conceded a lot of entries against them so there's something in me that's just you know, I just don't have them as high as other teams but you're big on them oh I, I think going to be so hard to beat I, I just right when you look at I just think if you tried to rate a team's grit 
a team's will to win. I mean, even even getting beaten the way they did in the prelim and their their effort when they were out on their feet and it had and it, and it had that extra week and, and and the tail end of the season that they showed such grit and such desire to win. Now, you you don't just have that. Like, that's mm. not a ta- you don't take that for granted. I think this team. And even their backline, it's nearly a no-name backline with with some of those boys back there. That you know, Iden Cummings, mm. who who really showed something. Um, I, I just get a sense that GWS have have a belief. They've got a bond, a, a connection, and a, and a real will to win, a grit that that I don't think that you can underrate. So I think well, they'll show that again, and that that'll have them uh, in a, in a position to win a lot of games at footy. Um, and sides are going to have to be pretty good to beat them no matter where they where they find them. All right, big on Sydney and GWS, the two Sydney uh, teams this morning. Hey, stick around, Sandra. I can't wait to speak to you. Steve, Michael and John all lining up to have their say. We're powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Back with your calls next. Kane and Bucks. Arctic uh, Price give away for the caller of the morning thanks to Signet. They're going to keep everything powered 24-7 and Bunnings Trade can get, help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. Sandra has been waiting patiently. And have you just risen, Sandra, because we've been waiting to hear from you all morning after our Australian under-19 Aussies got it done in the final of the World Cup last night. Take us through it and good morning. Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. And sorry I didn't hear you call at six o'clock, but I didn't go to bed until about yeah. half three. So. <laughs> and um, your, your grandson was the star of the show again. So Oliver oh, Pete, you're, you're his grandmother, and he, he, he got it done again. Oh, he did. He held, like he had to, um, because he was the last recognised batsman, because they went in with more bowlers than what they, um, more fast bowlers, because they had a group of fast bowlers that they knew would cause a bit of disruption. Um, they went in with one less batsman last night. So, um, yeah, he sort of had to hold it together at the end and get a decent score for the Indians to chase. So, um, yeah, and he was 46 off 43. Um, not out, so which was excellent. He played very well. So, but we're we're proud of the whole team. It yeah. was just brilliant. It was just so brilliant, and you know, to get uh, India out um, before they'd even reached fifty overs was um, fantastic. So they really stopped all their main scorers who had scored lots of runs in the preliminary matches. Um, they hey, kept them all under ten. <laughs> hey, Sandra, it's Nathan Buckley speaking. I miss your initial interview. Yeah. Were you always this yeah. knowledgeable about cricket, or is it only since Oliver's um, made the grade? No, well, no. My daughter Sarah uh, married Clinton Peak, and Clinton Peak has a pretty good reputation for cricket as well. He he, um, he played for Geelong, captain Geelong for a long time, um, and he he got three hundred and. Or not out on uh, the MCG against India way back in 1994, I think, as a 17-year-old. So um, he was a pretty good cricketer. <laughs> he, he still is. He now plays with my other grandson, the younger one, um, in the sevens because uh, Charlie's only 14. Mm. So. <laughs> 
amazing cricketing family. Sandra, we've been waiting all morning for you to give us a call, so we appreciate it. Congratulations to you. Look forward to Oliver getting home. We'll have to get him on the program, actually. So appreciate it. You rest up and, and get, get yeah. some sleep. You got well, some... Well, maybe we can get his mother on the program. She's just about hogged the TV the whole time she's been over in South Africa. <laughs> we can do that. We can do that, too. Good on you, Sandra. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Collingwood and speak to Steve. Steve, I think one coach in particular should have done more media uh, this preseason. Bucks disagrees. What do you think? Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Bucks, uh, I'm sure you'll understand what I'm about to say. Kane, question without notice. When did you change your identity? Uh, We're not playing cryptic games here, Steve. Just spit out what you want to say. Okay, well, in regards to Luke Beveridge, you sound like uh, Caroline Wilson and reincarnate because you're going after him until you're getting sacked, aren't you? No, I'm just observing what I see, Steve. I think you've got a responsibility as a coach to be a good ambassador for your club, to sell your club when you're in a bottom three supporter group in Melbourne. Um, You want to hear from the coach, and we haven't heard from him at all, particularly with all the changes that have gone on at the Western Bulldogs, the review that has just been done, a lot of conjecture about some relationships at the club. I think it would be really nice and pretty easy uh, to front the media and, uh, and give some of that positivity, if, he's, if there is any, and answer some pretty pressing questions for your fans. What pressing questions? How's your relationship with Chris Grant, the footy manager? Where are you going to play, where are you going to play Sam Darcy this year? What changes have you made to your game style? Which young players are you excited about coaching this year? How hard have you worked on your defence that has let you down in, in, in recent years? I mean, there's, there's a few there, don't you reckon, Steve? Not, not particularly. I mean, what's, nah. what's, his, what's his relationship with Chris Grant got to do with the football? Uh, the, the, you know, that he, he's pretty important. It's pretty important that a coach has a, a strong relationship with your footy manager. Steve, are you a Western Bulldogs man? No, mate, no. I'm a Collingwood supporter. Okay. I, 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 grew up, I, I was born just down the road from, from Victoria Big Park, Park, mate. I, and I'll put you this. You and Pendlebury are the two favourite players of all time, mate. Thanks, Steve. I'll say something controversial. You can get into me, but no, I think I think I think Steve's position's fair. But and I think that's a little bit of how you view media in general. I think all of your questions are valid as well, Kane. But in the end, the proof's in the pudding, you know, or in the eating of the pudding. When um, when the Western Bulldogs front and when they roll out, how en- how energetic do they look? How motivated are they? How connected are they? That's where you judge the senior coach. I mean, there is elements of needing to sell the club and taking these opportunities when um, you want to sell memberships or you're trying to get a positive vibe. But I tell you what gets the most positive vibe is winning a couple of early season games. Good on you, Steve. Thanks for the debate. Just watching Nick Revolt on the screens of ESPN with Phil Murphy. So he's got a role to play in the coverage of the Super Bowl as well today on um, on ESPN. Of course, stick around because after we depart, Jared Waitley with a big pregame as we lead into the big Super Bowl, which you'll hear live right here on your home of sport, SEN. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop uh, it's been a, a big show. Bucks have re- really enjoyed it. Just the AFL uh, reporting now that uh, a record 19 players earn at least $1 million in 2023. That's up from uh, 12 the previous year, and there were eight players that earned more than 
$1.2 million. The average wage was up 11% to 440000 just to touch over. So 19 millionaires is getting getting up there, which is good for the players. Yeah, it's, it's tracking that way, and you know, that's that's going to continue to work. Did Brock Purdy, just read a little bit. Brock Purdy, so the quarterback that's going to take yeah, you know, take the field. He's on nine hundred and seventy thousand US dollars because he's in that first contract, and that's what you get when you're a lowly um, uh, last yeah. draft pick. But yeah, it's a, it's a bit of perspective.